Welcome to the Cobra Cast with the present VP. For this episode, we would like to thank these valued partners. Is your scratched window ruining your view? Starting from scratch to your experts at removing scratches from windows and any glass surface. Whether it's general scratches around the home or a knife graffiti tag shop front, they can remove it. They're also helping the environment by saving the window from being dumped into landfill while bringing the glass back to its former glory without the scratches. Don't replace your scratched window. Repair it with Starting From Scratched, your glass and scratch removal specialist for home, shop fronts and cars. Call today for a quote, 87595629 or find out more at startingfromscratch.com.au. Once airborne, we'll let you know when you may use approved electronic devices, but note that some items may not be used. Alright, welcome to the Cobra Cast with the Prez and VP. We're back for another episode. I'm the host, Ricky Rifty the Prez Logan. I've got my co-host, Ricky Etdog, VP Etridge. Welcome to the show and welcome Etdog. And mate, are you happy with the trade week? It's all done. And, well, trade two weeks, all done and dusted now. You, you think I would, mate, but it's, it's, been, it's been a bloody rough week for myself. It's been a very rough, rough week. Um, I mean, you, I'm sure you understand, mate. You know, there's heartbreak and then there's getting a an email from a, a company saying that the sneakers you ordered that were a limited edition were sold out, so you, you're no longer getting them. It's, yeah, uh, no, I feel for you, mate. I feel for you. But it's, it's been you know, hard. It's, um, it's, you, did, you did get your other ones, which yeah, it's, you know, it's a it's nice taken, little consolation. It's, it's taken me four or five days to finally get me out of my bed from crying and disappointed for it, but no, I ended up just getting, I ended up getting you know, another pair just to sort of wipe away the pain. But, um, mate... <laughs> Thank God, trade week's over. I'll tell you what. Um, well, recording this, trade week's not over. But it's, it's close enough. Deals are done. Mate, how stupid is this, right? I've, I've t- okay, I said to you we were chatting today. I'm like, mate, get ready for uh, a few at the rants. Tomorrow's the last day of trade period when we're recording this, right? Mm-hmm. No deal can be lodged tomorrow until 3 p.m. So that way there's a blitz in the afternoon for fucking TV and radio. For, for, for you know... Um, Prime time. Yeah. So well, if you if you've got a deal, if you've got a deal sorted, stuff. if you've got a deal sorted tomorrow or tonight, and you want to put it through at eleven a.m., nah, got to wait till three p.m. Is that just one of the stupidest things you've ever heard? And we're yeah. we're, we're living in a time with a lot of stupid things getting said nowadays. This day and age. And there's not too many deals left to make. I I wouldn't think there's um, you know, hasn't been too many players coming to Essendon. I do. See, you've picked up uh, old two meter Peter, yeah. Um, but you know, Joe Danner is evidently gone, which was going to happen regardless. But um, oh, we've got, he's, I mean, he's going to have a handy pick, handy, a good hand in the draft, though. You're going to yeah, have a fair few draft picks. Read some of those, how is that three first rounders or something along their lines? And then someone's like, oh, I'll trade him out for a bloody 29 year old. It's like. <laughs> You got that many young kids in the draft, you know, with young picks, take them. But, mate, well, I'm amazed Adam Saad deal got done when it did. I thought that would have been, you know, one lined up purely for, you know, the last minute of the trade week. <laughs> yeah, like they did, like they normally do, you know. You hear stories that trades are well and truly done weeks in advance, but they get held off to the last minute to make a big rush. Yeah, it's, uh, you it's, know, it's, it's all about it's the TV time, I guess, when you, you know, 
Channel yeah. Seven owns TV rights to everything. They want good news. And oh, I'll tell you what, you got to be a you're a very 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 lonely person to be uh, caring about what happens at watching TV that closely just for trades. Yeah, just get the deals done, mate. Yeah. That's what I say. But uh, mate, on a sad note, the um, the International Cup has now been completely postponed until at least 2022. Um, which is a bit of a shame. And, and even then, that's still a. Uh, well, the yeah, statement yeah, was well, 2022, 2023. So that's, yeah, so, yeah. Um, which, yeah, it's a bit of a shame, but I guess for some of the clubs, it gives time to um, prepare more. You know, some of the teams we've spoken to that had had players not quite ready to represent, but were still going to sort of push on with the team. So hopefully. The people know, that I am, um, the players I feel sorry for are the ones that are, you know, in their last couple of years, their last chance to represent their country. And, you know, 2020 was, you know, oh, okay, I might get one more year in 2021 to do it. And now it's 2022 and it's, uh, it, it, you're hoping that it just means the competition of the tournament is going to be bigger and better in 2022 or 2023. But there is always that that slight uh, feeling that it could, you know, clubs may fall off or countries may fall off because there's not that constant carrot of, dangling players to go play for their countries. But from what I'm reading on a lot of clubs and um, organisation Facebook pages is that they're now going to try and work out ways to do international tournaments sort of within themselves and do some more more friendly... Yeah, regional type things like some islands and stuff. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I'm under the impression that I'm pretty sure PNG and another um, islander country have got a tournament running down here next year in, in Queensland. They've got a yeah a two or three match tournament down up in Queensland. Up in Queensland for us, down in Queensland from them that's scheduled. So uh, as long as there's footy getting played around the world, mate, that's all that, all that matters. And just gives us time, more time, mate, to uh, you know, find people that are willing to pay for us to travel up there. Yeah. Yeah, well, we can keep working on sponsors. And, mate, there's... Luckily for some places, they have got to play a fair bit of footy. And I know over in Nauru, um, the girls are getting some fair bit of footy getting played over there and they're loving it. I saw uh, some great pictures of some teams getting around in uh, old Navy blue with the big CFC in the middle, which looks, mate, was great to see. Uh, and we, we've just spoken to a club from New Zealand that's um, almost at the end of their season. So it's it's great that some of these islands have been able to still play some footy. Oh, how good is it that there's still footy, you know, actually getting be able to be played around the world? And we've mentioned a few times, you know, across Europe, you know, games are getting played, but unfortunately now they're back down into um, lockdowns for their seasons are put on hold again. But yeah, across New Zealand, mate, they're uh, you know, they're flying, getting some good footy in. Yeah, mate, it's. Um... Jealous, jealous. Nauru one was that the first ever women's game in Nauru? Was that that article that I read? Oh, I did see somewhere that somewhere had their first ever women's game, and for some reason Nauru rings a bell. Um, I'm not too sure. I know footy's been getting played there for a while, but um, I don't know if it's their inaugural season, but they've got. What's this? Uh, one, two, three, six teams playing over there. The okay, women? No, it might not have been that then. I feel like I read somewhere that uh, there was a league that had their first ever women's game a couple of weeks ago. 
Yeah, no, I don't think it's Nauru because, uh, yeah, I think they've been going for a while. They love, they bloody love their footy over there, mate. I'll tell you what. Yeah, but, but to be fair, mate, I do see a lot of stuff about international footy. So that could have been like six weeks ago I seen that one and it's just popped into my head. But you mentioned that the uh, Nauru had the, you know, the navy blue and the, you know, the CFC running around their jumpers. That's a nice little tie into where we're off to tonight. Yeah, mate, we're going uh, over to, well, back over to Canada to chat with Alex from the Central Blues. I feel like we're living across there at the moment. Yeah, mate, we're, we're making our way across there. And it's one of those things you, you kind of don't realise how bloody big Canada is with all the different, what are they called, provinces? Provinces, provinces Canada, in Canada, yeah. Um, yeah, but mate, it's a, another Aussie lad that's found his way over there, chasing a woman over there, I guess, and um, yeah, found his way. Mate, he, he almost got recruited the old uh, et dog way with the boys at the bar, but they just happened to recruit his missus and say, and her she dobbed him in and said, "Oh, my husband's Australian." So she she worked at the bar, didn't she? Yeah, yeah, she was story, working yeah. at the bar. Yeah, but another another thing I. I'm going to put this out. This is probably the thing I love the most about the Canadian clubs is that I'd say, I think I mean, I've mentioned uh, when we had Ottawa on, 95% of these clubs find, them, find a way to get the Maple Leaf into their logo on their jumper and Central Blues. It's just simple. They've kept the CFC, but just trying to Maple Leaf behind it. Yeah, it's nice, yeah. simple, elegant, gives, ties you back to Canada. Yeah. It's, it's good. Speaking of uh, Ottawa Swans, have you seen the new Sydney Swans logo, mate? You see the yes, uh, yes, I did. Did you see the was it the Harbour of the Arthur Foundation or whatever it is? The um, Sydney Opera House Trust starting to charge people for using the uh, Opera House logo, so they needed to change it. Oh, see, I didn't know the backstory to why yeah, they changed so it. I a was... lot of a lot of Sydney teams have had to change their logo because the Sydney Opera House Trust were going, "Come on, guys, pay up for the likeness, please." Oh, jeez, mate! Is if everybody building over everywhere is charged for a skyline to go on their jump on your jumpers but all the europe teams would be walking up heaps that'd be cooked mate but you speak about skylines and whatnot so wednesday night no podcast recommendations this week just because i'm bloody out of podcasts but wednesday night we are going to explain what's going to happen across christmas we've got a plan in place to get ourselves 100 episodes and take a few weeks off and i've got a couple of things that run past you haven't run past you yet that we're going to do to Fill in a good three to four weeks while the Cobra cast is on a nice, a well-deserved Christmas break, I might add. For a club that had no footy this season, I feel like we deserve a bit of an off-season. Yeah, mate, uh, uh, I'm looking forward to it. But all right, let's get into this one. We're going to chat with Alex from the Central Blues over in Canada. And we'll catch you on Wednesday for Birmingham. Birmingham. Oh, catch you then. All right, so today we would like to welcome Alex all the way from Canada. Uh, he's from the Central Blues. Welcome to the show, mate. Thanks for having me. Ah, mate, thanks for joining us. We uh, appreciate you jumping on and uh, chatting to us about the Central Blues. If it's a team that's come up a few times throughout, throughout our travels uh, through Canada, so keen to learn about them. But first okay. of all, how, how did you come across footy over in Canada? How did I? Well, it was... The wife, the wife dragged me into it. Um, I think it was, I've been in Canada for nearly five years now. Uh, and my wife's a school teacher. And during the summertime, she works in a pub and for a bit of extra cash. And there was, I think about three years ago, she was serving the Central Blues after a training session. 
So they all went to her pub for a, a beer after a training session. Um, she was serving them. And she asked, like, oh, what sporting team are you? And they were saying, oh, we're Australian rules footy. And she was like, oh, my husband's Australian. And then before she before she knew it, she'd been roped in to play for the women's team. And then she came home that night after a shift and said, guess what I've done? And I was like, what? And like, I just joined the Australian footy team. And my first, my first sort of impression was like, oh, damn it. Like, now I'm going to get roped in. <laughs> so, and then a year later, that's what it was. I've been roped in. I'm playing for the men's team now and I'm loving it. It's good. My 40-year-old body's struggling a bit, but it's all good. I'm enjoying it. So yeah, that's how we got into it, just by pure luck. That's, so, yeah. that's, that's all right. It's another note that down there, Ed Dog, to oh, I've already jotted it, mate. Don't worry. Plant some women in in bars as as uh, barmaids <laughs> and get them recruiting players, or you know, um, it's it's usually the way it's gone. The guys hit up a bar and start recruiting players, but that we haven't heard one of them actually recruiting staff from the bar. So. <laughs> Uh-huh. Oh, we, it's pretty competitive for recruitment over here with um, five Toronto teams. So you've got five Toronto teams all sort of claiming the same sort of pubs, the same kind of areas. So, yeah, it's pretty competitive in recruitment. So, yeah, you jump on any opportunity you can. Yeah, nice. So what, how long have you actually played footy for and, and what position do you play? Uh, well, it's been a long time since I properly played footy because I left Australia for nearly... 15 odd years ago. So when I did play footy in Australia, I was centre half back, full back kind of thing in school and, and during university. Um, but yeah, for, for the Central Blues, I joined them last year and I started off the season as full back and centre half back, but then I pulled a calf muscle and then they put me out, put me full forward, thankfully. So now I'm a bit more like a Tony Lockett plugger role where I sit in the goal square and they just kick me. You hear that, Ed Dog? Yeah, I that? heard it. I yeah. heard it. I heard it. This bloody calves went up to running around as a backman, so you had to go <laughs> sit up forward. No, it's a good decision, that one, going up forward. You don't, you don't <laughs> need to do the peasants' work down back. Um, yes, exactly. Do, do you have a, a number that you wear or just whatever in the kit? Uh, no, I, I wear number 34, mate. 34 has always been my number. It's tattooed on my, my forearm after a drunken night one day. So, yeah, I sort of... Seeing it's tattooed on me, I stick with it. So <laughs> it's actually completely got nothing to do with um with football. It's a baseball number. So yeah, that's the number I do. But I'm a mad baseball player, player and supporter. So yeah, Kirby Puckett from the Minnesota Twins. He wears number 34, and I've been wearing number 34 in any sport that I play in. Yeah, at least you got it tattooed on you when you're drunk. When I got my 42 tattooed on me, I was sober and. I think at the time I got 42 tattooed me, I wasn't even wearing that number because I couldn't get it. So I think, was a, I think it was a good three, four seasons. I had, had 42 and Roman Newman was tattooed on my forearm running around number 59. It didn't make uh, much sense at all. So you played baseball growing up, yes. I'm going to assume? So, yeah, so yeah, baseball in South Australia. Uh, played it sort of all my life and then, yeah, moved to the UK, played there as well. And then, yeah, played baseball for a couple of years over in Canada, but then, yeah, football's taken full taken up all my time now so yeah fully playing footy now for the blues it's great so who you got in the world series since well like game two tonight i'm hoping i'm hoping tampa bay will win um the dodgers definitely have their bats going this year and um yeah i'm hoping 
I'm hoping Tampa Bay will win. I'm hoping they will win over the big money that the Dodgers have. Yeah, nice. I always enjoy when we get someone that's like from like a baseball background because like we get the basketball and the gridiron. So we get a baseball fan on it. It's a bit different for us. It's not exactly a sport where we get stuck into down here, but I do quite enjoy it. To stop when there's nothing else to watch sport wise, and you're on the couch, it's good to sit there with a few beers and just sort of similar to cricket, just watch it. But um, so who do you follow in the AFL? I'm a Geelong supporter. Oh, so I'm I'm quite happy at the moment. So um, being a South Australian, I wasn't too happy when Port Adelaide beat us. Um, <laughs> I definitely got a lot of text messages from all my family and friends back in from Adelaide when Port won. Um, but no, I've been. Geelong supporter. I mean, my dad was a mad Geelong supporter, so it was that was beaten into me at a very young age. So <laughs> I, would, I didn't get fed if I didn't go for Geelong. So yeah, uh, fair call, fair call, and you made the I, right choice. I got told I wouldn't have a house, but didn't go for us the house to live in. I was like six months old. Get out, find your own way in life. It's like oh, I might go for us, and then it was yeah, a good I, decision back then, but not now. <laughs> see, when I, I've got in-laws that are. Collingwood supporters that used to buy my kids Collingwood stuff and Collingwood pajamas and you know if they spent a weekend up at the, the grandparents they'd put them in Collingwood pajamas so I had enough of it so I taught the boys one day to, to get this Collingwood stuff up and throw it in the bin and I sent a video tour <laughs> so they're, they're, they're Carlton boys and so I'd go for that shit so, uh, but that's funny all right what about um, you uh, sorry go no, I was just going to say, who's your your favourite Geelong player of all time, or just player? Oh well, I mean, obviously, I'm shows my age here. I am forty. I grew up in the sort of watching what late eighties, early nineties kind of Geelong. So the Billy Brownless, Buddha Hocking, those kind of guys. I grew up watching them. So I always loved Hocking. Um, Ablett Senior was just a freak. He was just a too good a player, and Junior's a fantastic player too. Um, I like Selwood if you want to look at current players, but yeah. But I grew up in the heyday where we got disappointed in the VFL by West West Coast every year. So. Yeah, that's a, that's a different one. But a hockey, he was a yeah, he pretty was good, absolute gun, pretty bloody good player. And I think uh, when you've got one of the greatest of all time running around at the same time, it probably overshadows the whole bloody team. So yeah. that's they had a fair few bloody good players back then. Oh, they did. They've never really, for maybe like early 2000s, about the only year they didn't have like absolute genuine superstars in their team. So it's not even like you sort of look back at who they used to be. It's like nowadays they've got superstars, where a lot of clubs don't have superstars now. So it's always looked back at that period where they were successful, about their good players, which long have got that through the mid 80s all the way to now, pretty much. Yeah. True. They just, just couldn't crack in and win the grand final until the. 2000s, but until uh, Essendon bloke went down there and coached them over the line for premiership. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I as a as a young kid, I went to all the grand finals back in the day, and I remember walking away from the MCG. My dad would be like, "I hate Geelong. I'm never going to follow them again. They broke my heart." My mum would be like, "Just just leave him alone. Don't talk to him. Just he'll he'll relax." So yeah, dad's no, had his heart broken a fair few times, but I'm a Carlton good. man, so. I was uh, on the other side of one of those heartbreaks for you, but uh, you've had you've had the last laugh because you've been on the, the winning side a fair few more times since then than what Carlton has, that's for sure. Yeah. 
Uh, yeah, I, I'm, yeah I've, I've never actually been in Australia when Geelong have won a grand final. So I find it, I think I'm helping them win every time. Because when they were, when they won sort of a few years back, I was in the UK when um, that Tom Harley was captain. That, that era of Geelong, I was in the UK. So I didn't get to really celebrate all their, their winnings back in that day as well. So you, you, you're probably the second or third person second, that's got I that. that. Like- the Richmond theory. supporter had said the same thing. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, I think it was a Richmond supporter that he was he was home the year they lost it, but he's the the years they've won, he hasn't been back home. So he um, he went home and didn't he go home in 2018, and they got knocked out in the prelims. But the same person, yeah, no, I think so. somebody else. Yeah, yeah. He, yeah he, one of the years he was home, they didn't even make it. The years they've won it, he hasn't been home, but. He thinks, knows, doesn't come home. He stays overseas. He's yep. like, he's never coming home again. He thinks it's uh, the good luck for Richmond to keep winning flags. And yet, well, Wood's going to test it because he's not home this year and it's Richmond Geelong. So let's, mm. let's see who's got the actual moz on their team <laughs> tomorrow night. I'm hoping so. There's a, fair, there's a couple of Richmond supporters at our club, so I don't really want to hear from them if they win on, um, on Saturday. Uh, you wouldn't be a footy club if you didn't have a few flogged Richmond supporters. Um, <laughs> and speaking of the, the club, so when and, and how was the club first founded and why did they choose the Blues? Um, it was uh, founded back in 2005 uh, by a guy called Bruce Parker uh, and uh, a friend of his called Rob, Rob Chapman. Uh, Bruce Parker's still with us. He's still our president today. So he's been around since the born. Um, he wanted to start a club back in 2005. He went over to Australia and played in the International Cup for Canada. And he wanted to sort of, on his way, on his, on his way back to Canada, he wanted to start up a club that was a bit closer to home because he used to play for a team called uh, Wealth Gargoyles, which for him was, a, I think, about a two, three-hour drive away. So he was kind of getting a bit sick of having to do that kind of travel. So he wanted to start up his own club a bit closer to home. So, yeah. And then a few of his buddies were like, yeah, let's do it. Um, And during the International Cup for 2005 and I think 2001, uh, Carlton was the host team. So obviously there was a bit of affiliation between the the Carlton and us. So, yeah, we we picked the, the, the Carlton jersey and sort of put a, a maple leaf behind it which actually looks pretty good actually so yeah when i've seen you jump as a while ago when i first come across is i quite enjoyed the maple leaf sort of behind the um the cfc and we've, i think i've noticed i've noticed at rift i'm sure you have as well that pretty much a lot of the canadian clubs will you know add the maple leaf somewhere on their logo yeah. or their kit i think pretty much every single club besides maybe one or two haven't um had the maple leaf involved is, was that sort of just a a conscious decision to put the maple leaf in or was it a way to try and differentiate the, the central blues being in canada or like do you know the reason behind the maple leaf or just the, the um the pride of that maple leaf and what it represents for the country i think it's a bit of both um they wanted to sort of sort of put a bit of a canadian feel on it and the maple leaf for canadians is just like the southern cross for australians so Canadians love, they're very patriotic and they love the maple leaf just like we love the, the Southern Cross. So, yeah, they will try to get the, that maple leaf in wherever they can. So, yeah, I think that's that's why. 
So is there plenty of dudes with uh, maple leaf <laughs> tra- tattooed across their ribs? Or? Yeah, there is actually. It's kind of a bit weird. Oh. Yeah. Uh, there's a couple of dudes just, that we play footy with that have like the maple leaf and the kangaroo sort of entwined together. So, yeah. Yeah, I, I do like the maple leaf. I've got a few um, like uh, Toronto Blue Jays hats, and I do love the fact that like, even like the professional teams have got the maple leaf, you know, represented in their logo. But um, who was the club's first game against, and how did they go? Do you know? Oh. I think it was a it was a exhibition game against the a team called the Etobicoke Kangaroos. So um, obviously they were North Melbourne. Um, wore the North, that was back in yeah 2005. It was an exhibition game. Um, I don't I don't know the score of that match. But two weeks later we got into the league and we played our first actual game against the um, the Guelph Gargoyles, which was a which was quite interesting seeing that Bruce started the Gargoyles as well and then then moved and created the Central Blues. So it was a bit of a grudge match between both clubs. Um, we, we fielded, I think, from what Bruce told me, we fielded 15 players. Um, and I, he didn't tell me who won, so I'm guessing we lost. <laughs> well, we'll go back and listen to our episode with the Gargoyles and we can um, cross fact check it and... You can add it to the intro of this so we know who actually won. Yeah, sorry about that. I didn't, I didn't get that information from Bruce, but nah, you're you, know, right. you I lost am pre- it in Tellers. I am pretty sure I did change that question, like alter that question for what I gave you. So it's all good, mate. Um, um, yeah. what, what about the women's team? When were they founded and how did that all come about? Uh, we founded in, um, it was founded in 2009 and it was more out of curiosity, I reckon, um, from what Bruce told me. Um, had a fair few sort of players, wives, girlfriends, um, a, few, a few women that sort of were interested and a bit curious about what this sport was. Um, so, yeah, I think it was, it was, we had a couple of females playing with us in 2008. And then in 2009, uh, they decided to put a team together. Um, it wasn't a league back then. So what they did was they played a few practice games against uh, a couple of clubs in Montreal. And I think from what I could see is their goal was to go to the International Cup that was uh, based in the US in 2009. So it was a combination of some players from us. I think there was six Central Blues women and a couple of uh, players from a Montreal team. And then we picked up, I think, six odd players from a team in Sacramento. And so it was a combined... Uh, Canadian US team that went to uh, the International Cup in 2009, um, and so yeah, and I think I think the league, the women's league, started for in AFL Ontario in um, 2011. So from 2009 to 2011, they were just sort of doing like practice matches, tournaments, things like that. Oh, nice. So how did they go in their actual first official season as Central Blues women team? Uh, we didn't do too good, um, <laughs> but it, it took us a couple of years. Um, so, yeah, it wasn't until 2017 that we really got going. Uh, we made it to the grand final, and unfortunately, we lost the grand final in 2017. So uh, the women's team was, yeah, it was a very long time in sort of building uh, some competitiveness there. I'll tell you what, Rifty, like, obviously, we're fully aware that women's football started quite early 
overseas than what we thought. But every time I hear, you know, 2011, a women's competition was running around in, in North America, it still just blows my mind that you know, nine years, almost 10 years ago, women's footy was almost was being played competitively. And over here, most competitions have only been going for maybe six to seven years. Well, SFL has been, what, not even five years, four years? Yeah, I think it's about five years now, yeah. I reckon. Yeah. It's just, it's incredible. So, um, so you mentioned earlier that with so many teams in the Toronto area, it's a bit hard to recruit. How do you guys go about recruiting and how many players you know, do you guys have at the moment? I mean, well, currently, I think the last time I looked, we had 72 players on our, on our roster. Um, so we, we did a fairly, fairly good job at recruiting over the last couple of years. Um, we pick up people wherever we can, really. Um, we train sort of twice a week in different parks around Canada, uh, Toronto, sorry. And we get a lot of people just out of curiosity, just walking past and sort of stopping and saying, hey, what's this? This isn't rugby. This isn't American football. What's this? And as soon as someone stops and asks us questions, we kind of just grab them. <laughs> uh, we, in we invite them to join and things like that. So we get it. We do a lot of recruitment that way out of curiosity. Um, and then obviously we try to sort of do a lot of social events, go out in a lot of different pub crawls, get out there, um, do all sorts of events. So and we just sort of try to snag people that way. Um, we're pretty, we do a lot of social media and that like that. So it gets out there. Um, you, you have a lot of, you got a lot of the Australians that come over on working holidays and stuff like that. Your long, young sort of Australians that come over and sort of Google Australian footy in Canada and come across that way. So it's a mixture of everything. But yeah, it's, we try our best to get out there, get our name out there as much as possible. It's got 70 plus players on your list is uh, quite, quite impressive. Um, so whereabouts do you guys train? And I also um, am aware that you guys train a little bit different in your, win in your winter months compared to your summer months in venue-wise? Well, yeah, well, during the winter, sort of, I mean, we normally start pre-season about January, um, and obviously January in Toronto is minus 10, minus 17 degrees and snowing, so you're not going to go out and you're wearing your footy shorts and your singlet and run around a field, are you? So uh, luckily there's a, a couple of sort of indoor sporting domes which is quite good, sort of like soccer pitches that have a dome covered over it. So we train there um, for the winter months. Um, during the summer, the summer's pretty good in Toronto, so we get out to sort of some parks around the area. We try to mix it up and go wherever there's sort of a lot of people so they can, we can get exposure. Um, there's actually a, an actual Australian footy field at Humber University. So with permanent goals and everything like that. So that's pretty good. So I think we're, there's the, that's the only actual proper footy field in Toronto down at Humber College, which is good. So that's where we play most of our games. Uh, Hamilton have a, a field, but that's more of a rugby field sort of converted to a footy field. Um, Ottawa's got a field, but that's, that's a, a, like a horse polo field, which has got lots of divots. Sorry, just uh, yeah. yeah. Sorry, we just um, we're having a discussion. I think it was last oh. week. We we're chatting to another podcast, and we're talking about that. We're trying to rack our brains with the club it was, and we're like, we went out the limb, going, "Yep, it's the Swans, it's Ottawa." 
<clears throat> so yeah. as soon as you said it, we're both like, yes, we got it right. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's that's an interesting field. It's always fun to play there because you got all the divots from the horses and stuff like that. And yeah, it's, it's always fun playing there. But they're a good bunch of guys. They always look after us when we travel to Ottawa. So I was just definitely. You can imagine like all the Canadians just driving down the road and just seeing these posts in some guy's front yard. And each end of his field, thinking, what the bloody hell has he got going on over there? And then you drive past two hours later, the way back, and then there's 36 blokes running around short yeah. shorts and singlets, <laughs> and you're even more confused. Yeah. yeah. Um, so you play in the AFL Ontario League. How how successful has the men team been in that, that league? Uh, well, we won the premiership in 2010. And we were runner-up in 2014. Um, and then at the moment, we're not doing too good. It's We're in a rebuilding phase. Um, that's how we like to say it. We, have, we lost a fair few players um, a couple of years back. A lot of players retired. Um, we had a lot of uh, Australians go home, which is always a danger, obviously, um, with any sort of footy team when it's, the Australians end up sort of going home. So I think... We were very competitive in the, in the early 2000s and 2014, 2015, and then 16, we sort of started going a bit downhill, but we're re- rebuilding. And like I said before, we're up to about 70 players now. So we were really looking forward to having a very competitive 2020, but then, then COVID happened and that really sort of, that really hurt us. We picked up a lot of good players and then, yeah, now we've just got to keep them keen and, Hopefully 2021, we can get back out there. But yeah, we were looking forward to a very competitive season for 2020. Sounds a bit like us, mate, just rebuilding. And we were in a very similar situation, looking forward to the start of the season. And unfortunately, we that pretty much the week of our first game, it was all canned and didn't get to play anything at all. But hopefully we... Uh, Mate, we'd love to get back up to 70-odd players at our club. That would be the dream. We'll take 40 to begin with. Yeah. <laughs> Let's start with 20. Yeah, that's, I mean, it's always difficult. I mean, there's no junior programs here, obviously. Uh, you haven't got your kick or anything like that. I think uh, the Calgary uh, Calgary team has a youth junior team. So they've got sort of – they'll have a good, good lot of players coming in a few more years. But, yeah without a junior program or without school kids playing footy, you're, you're only relying on Australians that come visit or come play, or you're relying on Canadians that are interested in playing. And so, yeah, it's, it's always hard for any, any of the, the play, uh, any of the teams to get players, but yeah, we're, we're working hard and, and getting it done. And it's, it's definitely a tough sport to teach new, new beginners that have never played before. I mean, yeah, we've uh, spoke a fair few times about, um, you know, we've had the odd odd bloke that's come down that sort of hasn't played before and trying to teach him how to hold and kick a footy and stuff. And pretty much when you've got majority of players throughout, you know, not only your team, but all of Canada that are, are brand new and fresh to the game and never done it. And, um, you know, many times people have said they've been kicking in the park and the first instinct is the bloke picks it up and goes to throw it back to them. And like, yeah. no, no, you kick this footy or you hit your handball. Yeah. Um, no, but what about sponsorships for the club? Have you got many sponsors on board? Uh, we've got um, we've got two pubs. Um, it's quite easy to always get a 
a pub to sponsor you, especially if you can go to them and say, hey, you've got 60, 70-odd people that are going to come drink at your pub every Saturday. So it's always quite easy to pick up a, a sponsor that way. But, um, yeah, we've got a, a, a pub called The Craft, which is in Liberty Village, downtown Toronto. Uh, quite a good pub. They sort of look after us pretty well. And then we had a, another pub called The Office. Um, unfortunately, they shut down due to COVID. So that hasn't helped us very much. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's always, it's hard to sort of, sometimes it's hard to sell sponsorship to the uh, companies when they don't know what, what the sport is. So it's always, a, it's a bit hard to convince someone to hand over money if they don't know what it is. So you kind of invite them down and show them the sport, show them YouTube clips and, and sort of things like that. So it's, it's yeah, not even, too bad. And, and even then you, they're still very confused about what it actually is. Is when you yeah, show them exactly. all that stuff. So yeah. So you mentioned before that um, you do a lot of social events to try and get people down to the club, and obviously if you get your bars that you hit off too. But yeah. like, what's the social side of the club? And what type of functions do you guys hold? We're very, we're very a sociable club. Um, Bruce has always, since day one, he's always instilled this culture where we're a social drinking club that accidentally play footy. Um, well, so what does that say? You're a drinking club with a football problem. Yeah, kind of. Yeah, that's about it. <laughs> uh, we're very inclusive. Uh, we invite everybody. We even like we we try to do we try to do a major event like once a month, whether that be a pub crawl or a fancy dress thing or a Hawaiian night or things like that. Um, obviously, we would have had a grand final party at the Craft Pub this this week if they were open, but a lot of pubs and that are closed due to COVID um, in Toronto at the moment. Um, we did, we've gone a bit online since COVID, do a lot of sort of Zoom meetups, internet games and stuff like that. But yeah, if COVID didn't happen, yeah, we would be out and about doing lots of different pub crawls, quiz nights. Uh, we do a lot of social gatherings in parks where we sort of did, like try to do barbecues and stuff like that. And yeah, anything to get the, the word out there about Australian footy in, in Toronto, simple as that really. Yeah, we're very much the same. We're um like even though we don't have that many, like we don't have a massive list of players. We've got a good core group of twenty blokes that have been there for a decade, and yeah, we're very much the same. You socialise, and then when COVID sort of hit the first time around, well, not the first, like the first lockdown, it was pretty much every Friday or Saturday night we were having Zoom beers and getting ten to fifteen blokes on, and yeah, some of them didn't even talk. They just sat there just to listen to other mates talk shit and yeah. laugh at blokes getting bagged out which is always nice um so footy trips do you guys go on any any any, any end of season footy trips uh yeah we do we we try to mix it up um a fair bit we we went to montreal last year um we we go we do a a, a pre-season a footy match down in columbus ohio every year so we travel to america a fair bit um play over there and sort of turn that into sort of a Bit of a social gathering as well but unfortunately because the borders are shut because of covid we didn't manage to get that done um but yeah we we do either go to montreal or we go across to the states or i think we we're planning on go camping this year with a whole bunch of us but yeah covid's kind of put a damper on all that but yeah we, we always try to do something different every year yeah nice so you mentioned covid a fair few times there and so what's what's the COVID situation for you guys over there at the moment? What what are the sort of restrictions on things and 
how he was travelling? Well, it's, I mean, it was hard for us because during the full lockdown, like you couldn't do anything. And then the Ontario government opened it up to, we were allowed to have gatherings of 10 people outside. So when that happened, we had to sort of do sort of trainings of 10 people but there was no contact. Um, we had to stay sort of six feet away. So it was mainly sort of like your fitness trainings and stuff like that, which we had a good turnout for because obviously after being locked away for a month or two, um, people were just wanting to come out and see, see humans. So it was quite easy for, for us to get 10 people and would go run around the park, do laps, do sort of fitness. Um, once it sort of started getting better, the government turned it to phase two where you're allowed I think 25 people outdoors um, and that helped us a lot because then we could do a bit more training but again no contact again so we had to we had to become very creative with our training because obviously no shepherding no tackling uh, all those kind of things so it was pretty like Bruce um, did a pretty great good job at organizing some sessions for us uh, our women's coach Obi he did some great drills for us um, AFL Ontario came out with a training booklet that sort of had sort of non-contact training drills that we could do. So, so that was good. So it was it was better than nothing, if you know what I mean. Like, so yeah, that was sim- sort of similar to when uh, when our first lockdown ended, like the 10, 20 people, and I think it was ten people. We didn't really bother with it because it was just going to be too hard to try and make sure we had ten blokes, and then. So when we got the 20, we opened up and it was like 20 at each end. So you couldn't cross over. And it was to the point where we're, you know, we get 50, we get 10 blokes in pre-season. We're like, oh, this has been a good pre-season. And when we come back, because you said everyone had been stuck at home doing nothing. We're watching blokes go and go, that's 14. Oh, shit, that's 15, 16. So, all right. So how do we work this out? We ended up having to be like, okay, well, he's the coach. He's the president. They, they, they don't count towards it. And, and I was like, you know, do some, uh, gymnastics with numbers to make sure we went under which was quite nice but yeah it's, it's amazing that when everyone's been locked inside for so long they all just want to come out and have a kick but when you actually need them to come down to pre-season they just nowhere to be seen yeah no that's that's always which the way is, which yeah. is fair enough so I, I can't say anything that was me for three quarters <laughs> of my career <laughs> fair enough mate. No, it's it's good to hear that uh, the leagues have helped out and you know um I think the one thing we've learned throughout this whole situation with all the teams we spoke to is that uh, footy players and footy teams are pretty adaptable and we just sort of take it, take whatever in our stride and just sort of, you know, work around what we can and do what we can. And it's good to see that, you know, some of these teams, like the virtual footy that was going on with all the teams across all around the world and Canada was one of the countries that was doing that was great. So it's been good that uh, there's a lot of creative ways that, the clubs have been able to stay stay active and stuff. It's been great. Uh, it's a, it just shows how good the sport is. It, it really does. The, the fact that people are willing to go above and beyond to keep it alive. Like, it, it is a great sport and I love it. And I've always played it when I was back in Australia and my family's always done it. And you get a lot of Canadians over here that have, like, they play it for the first season and they fall in love with it and... And they want to keep it going, so it's it's good testament to how good the sport is that people are willing to go above and beyond just to keep it alive outside of Australia. Yeah, and I think that the one positive that's come out of it all is that there'll be plenty more Americans and you know possibly Canadians that have now seen the game because it was 
it's you know getting a lot more airplay over in the states now. So um, hopefully, once all those teams are out, back out recruiting, there's even more people looking to come over, give this weird yeah. game a try because they've they've now seen it on TV. Yeah, that that definitely did help with because like, we got um yeah TSN Sport played over here. Um, on TV, so that definitely helped seeing that Australian football was really the only live sport that was going on during COVID, so that did help it get sort of exposure in, in North America, which was good. Yeah, awesome. All right, um, before we get you to throw some teammates under the bus, we've got <laughs> one, one more question for you that we've just sort of recently added, and sure, being that you're a massive baseball fan, I'm, I'm looking forward to this one. If you could go back in time and attend any sporting event, what would it be? Oh, it'd have to be game six of the 1991 World Series where Kirby Puckett hit that home run to to make it to uh, turn it into game seven against the Atlanta Braves. When he hit that home run, I think it was in the eighth or ninth innings or something like that. And, yeah, it'd have to be that game. Yeah. So... I like that. Something very, I never thought I'd ever hear. Very, <laughs> very specific. Well, yeah, too. it was. Yeah, it was to the point as well. I was like straight to the point. Know exactly where we're going here. Oh no, it was. I mean, growing up in Australia playing baseball, uh, I think what was it? The '87 World Series when the Twins played the St. Louis Cardinals, and then the '91 World Series where the Twins played uh, Atlanta. I think they were televised on. Channel 9, Wild World of Sports. And my dad let me stay up and watch it as a young kid. And I just remember watching that game. It was, it was crazy. But yeah. yeah, I think I played baseball maybe twice at school sports. Uh, struck out twice. And um, well, yeah, the baseball's not the game for me. I was pretty good at T-ball. Yeah. Yeah, T-ball, mate. Dominated <laughs> T-ball. That's, that's why I went to baseball. You go from primary school playing T-ball, smacking the ball everywhere, getting home runs. That this, mate, this is great. I'll go play baseball. Yeah, never, never even got a bunt, let alone a hit. So. Yeah. It, it, yeah, it's a bit different hitting an 80, 90 mile an hour yeah. fastball than a T-ball where it's just sitting there for you. So, a bit different. What, what position do you play in baseball or did you play? Oh, I... I I played every like I played what well, baseball for what thirty odd years now, so oh, I played so every position. Play, yeah. Um, but yeah, I used to. I started off my career as a catcher, then my knees blew out, so I moved to third base. And then I got fatter, so I moved to first base, <laughs> then got even fatter, and then just became a, a designated hitter. So yeah, my final glory days was just me being a DH, like kind of like Cecil Fielderwood. So what I'm yeah, hearing here, what I'm hearing is I'd be a first baser or a designated hitter if I was playing baseball. I like it. Yeah. Well, that's the good thing about baseball. You get to half the time you get to sit down. So yeah, it's a it's a good <laughs> sport for for us older people. So yeah. So most, yeah of, it's, most of my knowledge a, of baseball comes from eastbound and down. So. <laughs> uh, so you don't have the uh, the Kenny Powers rocket on you. No, I don't, mate. No. You, I throw grenades from third base, big loopy throw across the diamond to, to get it to first just in time. Simple as that. I tell you, there's some, some great characters that come out of baseball. And, uh, like, I, I couldn't watch nine innings sitting there straight, but I love watching the highlights and stuff. And when they empty the dugouts for a punch on and things like that, I, I, love, I, it. I love it. And I just watched a clip yesterday of a guy who got ejected from a game 
and he was pissed off. So he grabbed a rubbish bin and he took it over to the base and he said, that's you, the ref, you're trash. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, that was uh, a college game. I saw that. That was, that that was, was freaking hilarious. <laughs> Imagine I, I, trying to do I that in Aussie this. rules. <laughs> yes. Yeah. All right. It's time to throw some teammates under the bus now, though. All right. No worries. All right. So who at the Central Blues would you say is the, uh, the class clown or the joker of the club? Oh, um, I'd have to say my wife, Giselle, for the women's team. Uh, she's got many different nicknames of the club. G-Money, G-Train. Uh, she loves to be the centre of her attention. She's our social director as well. So she's in charge of all our pub crawls and uh, social events. So she's definitely a class clown. Um, she is, yeah, G-Train suits her. She is just a wrecking ball. She gets out there. She throws her body on the line when she's playing. And then on the fifth quarter when we're drinking, she throws her body on the line again. So, yeah, she's, she's got herself into trouble a fair bit. But, yeah, definitely the class clown for the women's. Yeah, lovely. She might double up for this one as well. Um, the party animal. Uh, yeah, Giselle as well. And um, we got a guy called uh, Ryan. His nickname's Neville. He, he's he's a new player this year that's come out. He's um, definitely sort of putting Giselle sort of in her paces. And, yeah, she's definitely up there. Um, we have a fifth quarter award every year that goes to the best, the most sort of party social animal kind of person. Giselle's won it two years running. And, yeah, if we did have a season this year, Neville probably would give him give Giselle a run for her money this year. So, I like that award, Rift. Yeah, it's, it's I, like, I like that. It's, uh, it's another one we might have to add to the list. We're, we're gaining a few awards now, and uh, it's up there with the COAF, that's for sure. Uh, all right, but who's the person who takes it far too serious? I think we're 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 pretty all we're pretty laid back in our club. There's a there's a couple of white line fever kind of guys. Um, I think Bruce Bruce, our president, he takes it pretty seriously once once the siren goes and and the whistle blows. So he takes it pretty damn serious. Um, our best and fairest last year, uh, Tom Borelli, um, he takes it pretty damn serious. He's he's an accountant by trade, so he's pretty dead straight and pretty boring. He's a great bloke, but very yes no answers as accountants do. So, um, who else we got? And there's one more, one more guy, um, Adam Hosworth. We call him Big Bad Barry. He's actually an umpire here as well. He takes it pretty damn serious, and he's uh, he looks like Big Bad Barry Hall. So, yeah, they're, they're the three people that take it pretty serious with us. Yeah, it's bloody typical umpire. Um, but. Who's who's the player you wouldn't want to have to share a room with on a footy trip away? I'm going to have to say that's me. <laughs> I, I'd have to say it's me. I, I don't know. We're, no, we're, we're all pretty good. I, I can't see this. There's no major dramas, but I have been told that I snore pretty loudly when I'm drunk. So I'd have to say me. Uh, Neville loses his clothes a fair bit. So, yeah, probably him as well. So it's probably me and Neville that sort of, you don't want to bunk with. Uh, I always love when someone throws themselves on the bus. It's fantastic. All right. There's been a, a lot of nicknames in this little segment. Who's got the best thing, nickname at the club? Oh, I think or, that's or, even, or even the best, like a good nickname, but the best story behind the nickname. Oh, there's a 
I mean, Canadians aren't the best with nicknames. So it's always, obviously, with the Australian contingent of the club, we always try to get in there and give everybody nicknames. Some Canadians sort of take it a bit serious and, and get offended, but we try our best to make jokes of it. Uh, a buddy of mine called Swapnil, um, obviously with a name called Swapnil, we ended up calling him Swampy. Um, he didn't take that very nice at the start, but he's grown, it's grown on him and he loves it. Um, who else got some good nicknames? Um, R. Ruckman. Sarib, he's a big six foot four kind of skinny guy with massive arms. Um, when he has a fair too many, he gets a bit affectionate. So we ended up naming him the Cuddle Monster. So that's that's always interesting when that gets yelled out in the field. So when you you you, you run for a lead and yell out Cuddle Monster, so yeah, he gets gets pretty cuddly when he's had a few drinks. Um, we got like another guy called Uncle right, Fingers. Man. But uh, we won't go into why he's called Uncle Fingers. Uh, we'll leave that one out. Yes. Read between the lines, <laughs> I say. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, some of the nicknames are quite interesting when you yell them out on the field. Yeah, that's the Canadians need to embrace it a bit more because that's part of part of the Australian yeah. culture, part of the you know, and you want something obscure to yell out, and you want people to of the opposition or crowd watching whatever go. What the hell did that bloke just call him? That's it's all part of it. Um, it is. The sledging and that is sort of, it's it's good. The, the banter and the chirping. Canadians call it chirping. So, yeah, it comes from ice hockey. So, there's a bit of chirping culture in ice hockey over here. So, yeah, it's always good to have a bit of chirping. Chirping. All right. Nice. All right, mate. Different one. Yeah, chirping. It's, you think with hockey, it's a pretty tough sort of game. Chirping sounds a little bit soft and meek you know like birds chirping up yeah well yeah. they normally chirp after the punches have been thrown and, the, and they've been, <laughs> that's yeah, that's, yeah. They've been escorted to the sin bin and they're sitting next to each other in the sin bin and they're only got a bit of uh perspex separating them and that's where the chirping that, that's yeah. a fair point there Rifty. it can be like doesn't sound that tough because they beat the shit out of each other before they start getting stuck into each other the toughness yeah. is done in the actual Physical altercation. Yeah. Well, they got a couple teeth missing and yeah. they just start. Yeah. When you see them when they're in the sim bin next to each other and they just go, oh, mate, wait till the next time we're back out there. I'm going to get you back and chirping away at each other. Yeah. All right, mate. Thanks for joining us. We do appreciate no you taking the time out on your Thursday evening. My uh, pleasure, mate. Thanks for having me. Where can everyone go to follow along with the Blues and, and you know, hit you up if they're ever allowed back in the country <laughs> uh well you're gonna you'll find us on twitter you'll find us on facebook you'll find us on instagram um yeah facebook central blues afc instagram blues afc twitter central blues afc or you can just go to our website blues afc afc.ca so yeah just type in central blues australian rules footy in toronto and you'll find us so yeah we're we're everywhere yeah, awesome, man. Thanks again for joining us. Enjoy the rest of your evening and enjoy the grand final, whatever time you wake up and, and get to watch it. But hopefully yes. uh, Geelong comes out on top for you. Yes. No, hopefully, hopefully, Geelong, no, no. hopefully Geelong come out on top for everyone around the world. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. Yes, fingers crossed. All right. Awesome. Thanks mate. a lot, Thank guys. You. Take care. Thanks, Mark. Cheers. Thanks. Thanks for watching the Cobra Cast with the present VP. And if you need somebody to talk to, why not contact New Life Psychology in Berwick? They are now taking phone appointments. 
or you could head to otlr.com.au for tips and info. And we are supporters of TAC's Towards Zero campaign. Head to towardszero.vic.gov.au for more info because zero is the only acceptable number. Hey Siri, play the Cobra cast with the present VP.